Good morning. I am uh, super excited to get to talk about that passage this morning as we begin our series um, in Advent, uh, hoping, expecting, anticipating, waiting for the promises of God to come to fruition. Um, We're going to engage with this idea of hope this morning, and there's lots of, uh, we've done this before in the past. There are lots of resources that are going to be be coming your way that are kind of at your disposal. On our website is going to be a daily reading uh, that will be Monday through Friday each of the next four weeks, and we actually have some copies of it on the the welcome desk over there. If you want to, I guess there's 14 or 15 copies over there, so feel free to grab one uh, and, and take it with you, but it actually is, is this right here, um, and it's, it's a short little three, four-minute daily reading every day uh, throughout the course of, of the Advent season. There's also um, going to be uh, social media stuff that's happening each week, but, but the idea that is we want to daily engage with this idea that Kyle and Mandy read about, that Dave has talked about, and that, that Jeff has kind of sung about, Jeff and Kelly kind of sung about, is this just kind of wait expectantly on Jesus and to slow down. Um, you're going to hear this, uh, this phrase a lot. Kyle and Manny have already read it, and, and you'll hear it preached, you'll hear it spoken, you'll hear it read again. Uh, it says, we believe that Advent is the antidote for the hurried holiday season that Christmas has become. This Christmas season, we're going to take a slow walk to the manger. And so I want that idea to be in the front of our brains that we're going to take a slow walk to the manger. And we're going to try to put aside the hurriedness of the season and instead walk together, walk as families, walk as, uh, as churches. There's, there's several other churches throughout the, the country that are doing this together with us. Um, and there, you'll see the in, in all of our stuff, hashtag Advent Together is going to be on our social media stuff. And you'll see that hashtag throughout a bunch of other churches that are doing this stuff together. And so we want to encourage you to, uh, if you go see Christmas lights together, grab another family uh, and, and walk with them and think about and talk about, be verbal about this idea that we're going to wait together. We're going to walk slowly to the manger together because our king is coming uh, the themes are on the banners to my left and, and your right of uh, hope, joy, peace, and love. And these are themes we've talked about before. Um, Tim Keller says this, The themes of Christmas, if grasped, are life-transforming. The themes of Christmas, if grasped, are life-transforming. So I, I want, like, this is habit. Thanksgiving is in our rearview mirror and Christmas is coming and, and there's sales everywhere and, and there's... Uh, Christmas shows on TV and, and Christmas music on the radio and all these things. Christmas is coming, uh, but I, I want us to, to stop and slow down and think through these themes and understand that Christ came to bring these things to us in full. Um, one more quote before we get into the heart of the message. This one comes from uh, a theologian named N.T. Wright. He says this, The great, massive Advent moment is still to come in the future. I, like that's, there's a lot of depth that's in the middle of that. So we celebrate Jesus' coming at his birth, but the great Advent moment is yet to come. It's coming in the future. Both the Old and New Testaments promise that one day the God who created the world will fill it with his glory 
transforming it so that it thrills and throbs with his love, justice, and peace. And this is like the expectancy that we have for Christmas to come and the excitement that we, Dave talked about, the most wonderful time of the year, that sort of anticipatory excitement that we have. We want to take this season to not only look forward to Christmas Day, December the 25th, but also look forward to the day that N.T. Wright writes about the Advent massive moment is coming in the future that's going to thrill and throb with his love, justice, and peace. That's powerful, and that's exciting. Let me, uh, let me stop for a moment and, and pray for us as we uh, engage this morning. Father, thank you for... Um, the poetry of the words that we just read from N.T. Wright, that, that one day that's coming, you're going to fill this earth with your glory. You're going to fill this earth with nothing but your glory. And sin and pain and downtrodden and hopelessness and the heartbroken will be no more, Father, because your glory will fill this place. And We will be known and we will know fully, Father, and and the the expectancy that we have for that. We trust and we wait, Father. Um, I pray that you would engage us this morning as we think about this this concept of hope and we read in your scripture in Isaiah how uh, your hope is coming for us, Father. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. So... uh, we're reading from Isaiah this morning, and I want to be uh, want to be careful. I I read this with my uh, with my family last night. This passage, um, and we talked about the idea of prophecy. What is prophecy? I asked my kids that, that question, and it's. I think my kids don't like it when their father asks them like churchy type questions because they know that I'm trying to trick them. Um, I'm not really, but. Uh, they kind of felt like that. And so I'm, I want to ask that question here in this context. What is prophecy? I think that we are short-sighted with our idea of what prophecy is. Most of the time we think it's a prediction of the future. To be a prophet is to be someone who can predict the future. That's a piece of it. But the big picture of what a prophet is, it's just somebody who has the words of God. Somebody that God has decided, I want this person to go and proclaim my message to these people at this time and this place. Isaiah was a prophet for God's people who wrote hundreds of thousands of years ago, or thousands of years ago. Um, and his idea was to come and proclaim the words of God. So anytime that someone has a word from that God has given them to share with people, that person is a prophet. And what they write is prophecy. And so that's what Isaiah is. Isaiah is a prophet and the book of Isaiah is his prophecy. And let's walk through these passages together. The, the first thing that I want us to see that Jesus is the coming king. And that appears in the first five verses. Um, Verse 1 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. Um, The image here is that God's people, the nation of Israel, were once this great and powerful tree. And imagine this large, massive tree that's hundreds of feet high and, and you can't 
two people couldn't wrap their arms around the size of this tree. This is what the God's people, the, the people that Isaiah is speaking to, thought of when they reflected upon God's people. They were once this really strong and really powerful nation. But they have been cut down. They've been chopped down like a stump, like a, like a tree stump. And now they are oppressed. They're downtrodden. And there's, there's a great threat. When Isaiah is writing, there's a great threat from the people of Babylon, which is very close to them. There's a great threat from the people of Assyria that is very close to them. And they are now what once was a very large, strong, powerful nation is now this tree that's been chopped down. And there's threats all over them, threats all around them. And Isaiah comes with this prophecy a word from God to speak to the people. And let me, let me say that, like, let's hammer that idea again. Isaiah is coming in this time, in this place, to these people to proclaim a message of hope to these people who are downtrodden and stuff around them is happening. And so government and authority and power and all that is threatened for them. All right? Um, hit that, pop that image up there, Cooper. Um, I want you to see this. This is a, a shoot coming from a tree stump. And this is a, a poetic picture. But this is also, the, this is a picture of hope. This is a picture of, of strength. This is a picture of, of what is to come. A tender, small, green, little leafy plant is popping up from that which looks once was huge and massive and has been chopped down by the culture, by society. And now there is this, this, this little quick piece of hope that's popping up. This picture is Christmas. This picture is Advent. This picture is hope that's happening, that's real in your world. And think about all of the, the chaos that's around us that we've had to endure in the last 24 months. So much pain come to light. So much hardship that's come to light. So much difficulty. We've just walked through this terrible season of, of politics and, and all this stuff. And, and our, the sky is falling. And this is a great picture of hope. From out of that broken down, chopped down tree pops this shoot. This tender shoot that will grow one day into something massive. I want to see that picture and read to you N.T. Wright's quote again. The great and massive Advent moment is still to come in the future. Both the Old and New Testament promise that one day the God who created the world, that tender shoot that's popping up, who created the world, will fill it with his glory, transforming it so that it thrills and throbs with his love, justice, and peace. There's coming a day, you guys. There's coming a day. Verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Um, this, is, this is important. The him that it's talking about, John Piper says, the shoot of Jesse has everything it needs to bring God's world back from its rebellion to the knowledge of God and fear of the Lord. That tender little shoot popping from that chopped down tree has everything that's necessary to fill this world with its glory. And this word, this phrase, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. All right, so the him is Jesus, and the spirit of the Lord means that he comes to this earth with the fullness of God. 
And let's read the rest of this. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is, let's go back into some history here. Um, these people, these are God's people, and they would have known their, their lineage of kings, just like we know our lineage of, of presidents. We celebrate presidents like Abraham Lincoln. We celebrate presidents like George Washington. We celebrate these great presidents who have great, done great things, and we celebrate the beauty and the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength that they had and they brought to us. This verse here is talking about that. Cooper, throw that, that verse up there. Uh, this verse of chapter 2 is talking about all those things. They're reflecting on the wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge that their former kings had. And for us to consider that, our former kings, there's coming another king who will cre- have all of these things in his presence. And that's what this phrase at the beginning, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. What this is communicating is the great leaders that we've had in the past had wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge. They had strength and they had intelligence and they had leadership. This is their former leaders. But there is coming a king who has all of those things in full and complete. So what we, we reflect upon great leaders that we've had. But we understand that these are men who fail and, and women who fail and have, have issues and have problems. And they bring wisdom and understanding and might and strength. But it, it may be fleeting or it may be not in full. When we see the spirit of the Lord, that phrase, it means that it is complete and it will never fail and never stop. This is the hope that we wait for. Like I'm... I'm so excited, and, and I love, like, pastors and churches and church people complain and rebel about Christmas getting hijacked all the time, right? You know, that, you know what I'm talking about, right? They, they complain about, you've stolen Christmas from us. You've hijacked Christmas from us because Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus. But I think that one of the beautiful things about the hijacking of Christmas is we're all looking forward to, to being together. And kids, children are looking forward to, to the presents they're going to get. And, and they're taught to wait and to anticipate. There's, they know that like up in mom's closet is, do you, guys, do you guys have a mom's closet spot when you were growing up? Or like today where like mom, you know mom's hiding the presents in this spot. And you know, like, I, do, I, do I be sneaky and try to check it out? And, and there's, there's this, this wonder, this what's going to happen, this anticipation, this, man, I can't wait till the day when I get to, to break into this and, and realize what's been up in mom's closet for all this time, for, the, for a month or a month and a half, whatever it is. And it's that anticipation. Take your brain back to being a kid or take your brain back to being a parent and, and watching your kids do this. It's that anticipation that, that we're to have for this coming king that will bring this wisdom and strength and might and knowledge in its full. And it won't be fleeting. It'll last forever. That's the hope that we're waiting for, we're anticipating. Uh, verse 3, here's some, uh, some great thoughts about who this king is. Because, like, I, I think, I don't think, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we get 
super excited about our leader and what he's going to do and what he's going to become as the United States of America. We get super excited about who our leaders are going to be. And we get really like, this is the guy or this is the girl. This, this is the one. We want to elevate them. And, and really what they're coming to do and what we really want them to do is to give to us. And, and we support the one that's going to give more to us. But look at, look at Jesus and who he is as he comes as this leader. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Phrase that is a, is a churchy phrase that we get mixed up on. The fear of the Lord. It just means a, 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 a known understanding of our position with God. Like we worship God, we place ourselves beneath God. When we fear the Lord, we properly understand who he is and our position with him. And for Jesus here, his delight is properly seeing the Lord correctly. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor. Look at, look at who Jesus is serving here. His righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. This gives me super huge amount of hope because like the, the biggest, the, the issues that are happening racially in our country are rooted here in a lack of justice and equity for a people group that has been oppressed for the beginning of, since the beginning of this country. And the beauty of this, the beauty of this is this, these are the people, the poor, the downtrodden, the, the oppressed. These are the ones to whom Jesus is coming to bring his hope and his peace. That's exciting news. And we ought to be anticipating and speaking of this anticipation with the same sort of uh, excitement that a kid does when they're thinking about the presents that are up in mom's closet. Think about that idea and put it into to this practice. This is our Jesus. This is what he's come to bring. This is hope. It's waiting for us. With righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. The Psalms are filled with this sort of language. And, and, and the prophets are filled with this sort of language. Those who are wicked, their day is coming. Wait. We get uptight and upset at the evil that's present in our world. And we want to run and take out our vengeance on that. But wait on the Lord. When Jesus returns, listen to me, when Jesus returns, those who are evil and those who blaspheme him will be in deep trouble. Do we, do we believe that? It's what Isaiah is prophesying here. And God gave him these words to go and Proclaim. Verse 5 Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. He is clothed with righteousness and faithfulness. This is a, this is a great God. This is a beautiful God. Uh, 
The second thing I want us to see is some poetry of the hope of the peace that is to come. Um, Last night when I was reading this to my kids, I asked them this question. Name two, uh, a, a group, two groups that are at odds with each other currently. Not rhetorical, by the way. What are groups that are at odds with each other in our society, in our culture? Democrats and Republicans. That's, that's the one that, that they brought out last night. It's, and it's so obvious. And it's also um, lacking, it, like we, we, it's okay for us to say that these things are against each other. There are some other things that you may be thinking about that may not be okay for you. Or you're thinking it might not be okay for you to say right now in this context. But it's, it's real. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Republicans and Democrats are at odds with each other. Who else is at odds with each other? And it doesn't have to just be people groups. What about, like, what sorts of, what are, what are some enemies of one another? What animals? What, what, what's, what, think of some things. Yeah. Corporate America and the unions. Corporate America and the unions. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really kind of gets down to Republican and Democrat, too. That's a, just another way to, to say that sometimes. Uh, what else? All right. I won't make you say anything else. I want you to think about that. Listen to these words. Enemies operating as friends. And look at the verbs that are used to describe what's happening between these enemies, who their very nature, their nature is to be at war, at odds with one another. So this is beautiful language. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Again, look at the verbs, dwell. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Think about what is, when you think about dwelling with someone, I live, I dwell with my wife and my children. Like we operate together, we serve one another, we, we depend upon one another. This is what's happening. Enemies who by nature, the wolf didn't need to be taught to go and eat the lamb. Naturally, it happened. But here, when Jesus returns, when this king whose authority will not wane and will not waver and will always be in its fullness, when he returns, enemies will dwell with one another. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. That's lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion, and the fattened calf together. And the little child shall lead them. Get that picture in your brain. Like, Addie Kate was up here standing next to her dad while, she was, while he was reading the hope stuff. Imagine Addie Kate leading a lion and a, and a fattened calf. This is the language. This is the beauty. This is the poetry that Isaiah and God are creating here to proclaim to you what is to come. This is the glory of the Lord filling this earth that it thrills and throbs with his justice and mercy and peace. This is 
what is to come. Verse 7, the cow and the bear shall graze. Imagine sworn enemies hanging out together, eating. The cow and the bear grazing. They're walking around and eating, engaging with one another, eating. And the young shall li- their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. That's, that's ridiculous. Over the hole of the cobra, the child could be gone like that. But they're playing it's because God has come and brought his, his peace and his hope and its reality that is to come. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Beautiful. There is no hurt and no destruction. This is what is to come. Think about the presence in mom's closet, waiting, anticipating, excited, can't wait for that to happen because you know on December the 25th, you're going to wake up and you're going to open those presents. You're going to see this thing that you've been longing for. That same sort of anticipation is what Advent is about. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Understanding our position, rightly seeing God, the fear of the Lord. Remember that. The earth shall be full of it as the waters cover the sea. As the waters cover the sea. A more beautiful poetic language. Just like you can't go swimming and get, not get wet. This is what is around us. You can never not be affected by the fullness of who God is. This is our promise. That one day we will see hope is coming. Wait. Let me say that again to you. Hope is coming. Wait. The last thing for us to see is in verse 10. It's the substance of our hope. Do you know that hope is only as useful as its substance? Hope is only as useful as its substance. And as we think about this notion in our political world, hope is only as useful as its substance. Who has this great confidence that those people that we elected are going to do exactly what they said they were going to do and that exactly what they said they were going to do was going to do anything different to help us? Hope is only as useful as its substance. And our, the substance of our hope is this root of Jesse. Verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for all the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Go back and, and see, get that image of, of the, the tree and the, the, the tender shoot coming from it. In that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for all the peoples. It will no longer be this tiny green leaf popping out of a tree stump. It will be this explosive, massive, resource-producing tree, this massive thing. This is 
God coming to earth. And it is the substance of our hope. And he stands as a signal for all the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire. At, and his resting place shall be glorious. Hope is coming Wait, I want to end with this idea, press our minds into this so many times, even here in this place. One of the things that we've talked about, about hope, joy, peace, and love, and that Jesus came as a baby in a manger to bring those things to us. But I want to turn our attention to not just that coming, but the one that is to come. When all of these things that we know now in part, we will then know in full that this Jesus is coming back. And I want to teach us, I want to lead us to wait and to hope. And all this week, there's going to be stuff, we're going to bombard you with stuff designed to engage your brain with this idea so that always and forever in front of us for the next seven days is this idea that hope is coming for us to wait for it, to exhale and be patient. That's so hard for us to be patient. But I think this hijacking of Christmas does us a favor and that it teaches us what it means to wait and expect. I can't wait for, there's like three Christmas parties that I'm going to this year. I'm really excited about them. I love to, to, to drink hot beverages and, and eat cookies with my friends. And I can't wait for that Sunday night that's coming up soon. I can't wait for the opportunity that, that I'm together with my family and it's just us in our living room and eating uh, and, and, and opening presents. I can't wait for those things to happen. I can't wait to, to drive through Tillis Park and see the lights that are there with my family. We do whatever. I can't wait for those things. But it's, it's beautiful in that it teaches us that just as we know those realities are coming, I want to proclaim to you, and Isaiah wants to proclaim to you, that this Jesus is coming again to make all of these things full and complete and never fleeting. That the the, all these sworn enemies will be together and his glory will fill this earth. Let's, uh, let's pray and respond to God. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, God, for Isaiah and the words that he's written to proclaim a message of hope to our souls, Father. God, I pray that we as a church and we as people would walk around for this next week, Father. God, give us idle moments to think about the hope that you're bringing to this earth. Give us idle moments to to wait expectantly for you to come. God, I pray that as the seasons get hurried, as the stress gets hurried, as we've got to get this clean or this cooked or this present bought, that those things would subside, Father, and we would rest in the peace and the hope that you've given and wait patiently for you.
God, I thank you so much for these people that we get to journey together with as we slowly walk together to the manger. God, guide us in these next few weeks leading up to the day we celebrate your son's birth. Guide us, allow us to do this well and do this together. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. So as we respond to the Lord, um, the idea of making this the most wonderful time of the year, from, from the overflow of what Rick just talked about, takes massive intentionality, lest the hijack of the Christmas season actually happen. And so um, as we respond, I just want to challenge us with that. As we think on hope and as we respond to the words that the Spirit's been speaking in this room for the past 30 minutes um, is that we would uh, we would come into this season with a level of intentionality to say man I want to experience Jesus in the midst of the hurry in the midst of the, the busyness in the midst of all the things that are on your mind regarding what the next month looks like that we might be intentional as people as parents as, as grandparents as kids as every avenue of life that we find us in to say, hey, let's stop. Let's remember what this moment is about. Let's be intentional to journey together, even as family, as a church family, um, that we would say, we want to experience you, God. We want to experience you this season, that this might truly be the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus is at the center of all that we do. And so, man, let's just, uh, this time is real geared around what is God saying to us and and what are we going to do about it? And so as we sing to the Lord and um, as we respond to the Lord, I just want to challenge us with that. What what might it look like for you in your context to slow down a bit and really experience Jesus in this season and get a glimpse of him in every aspect of what you're walking through? And so... Um, I mean, all the ways that we typically respond are before us, and, and whether you're, whether this is your first time here or whether you've been here forever, um, these ways are open for you. As we centered around the, the, the breaking of bread and the, and, and the juice and the, the celebrating of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're welcome to come and partake of the Lord's Supper. And there's opportunities to give. There's opportunities to give to um, to affordable Christmas as well. We'll talk about later. But let's, uh, man, let's just really take some time now to think on, okay, Lord, what does it look like for me to really engage this season and not miss the beauty of, of the hope that's present in this Advent season? Let's respond.